Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea. Today, I am excited to share something new with all of you. You may know that I do a lot of coaching the coaches in my business where I work with dance teachers and coaches on how they can improve their own skills and how they can best support their dancers' mental skills. After doing this work for years, I found that many people are struggling with similar situations and find a lot of value in hearing how other people are dealing with things. It really helps both in the sense of community and support and allows us to all gain some insight into how things can improve and just understand that we're not alone. So I decided to put the offer out there to do some one-on-one coaching for dance educators as a podcast episode so that it can function as a way to support other dance educators. And this is the first of those episodes. So if you are listening and you would like to be a part of a future episode, you can visit chelseaparati.com slash be on the show. I'd love to connect with you. You can always just send me a message on Instagram. We'd love to have you on the show. So to kick this off today, I have Erin with me. She's a high school coach in Missouri. Hi, Erin. Hi. Thank you so much for joining. And I am doing well. I'm ready to do this. It's exciting. Uh, So, when you wrote in to me, you said there are kind of two areas that you wanted to talk about Uh, one more about your kind of personal mindset, and one more about your dancers and kind of dealing with pressure. So, let's start with that first part. Uh, You mentioned sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing, maybe kind of experiencing that personal doubt. And I have definitely heard that from a lot of coaches where we second guess ourselves, have maybe that imposter syndrome. Um, So can you tell me a little bit more about what that is like for you? So I've been coaching for a long time. This is my 12th year coaching. And still sometimes when major issues happen or specifically a new situation that I've never had to deal with or a new parent is coming and asking a, a certain thing of the team or of me or whatever. And then I feel like, oh no, like, am I doing the right thing? Even though in my heart, I know that I'm doing the right thing because I've been doing this long enough that I like, I know that I am doing the right thing for the program and the legacy and like years and years down the line. But in my head, I overthink it. And, you know, it's hard not to take the things personally and not to um, attach part of my self-worth as part of my um, mental health even to the situation. Sure. Oh, I, I feel you. I think I was that same coach that we love this so much. We take everything to heart. And more so than I think people realize, especially parents, when they feel like this is just a a side gig or you're just a, you're quote, just a coach, right? And you're like, no, this is, even if it is my second job, it's still my world. Like it still means everything. Right. Um, Like I work at the high school so that I can coach. mm -hmm. Like that was the whole purpose of me getting a job at the high school is so that I am in the building and it's more convenient for me to coach. I have more connections and all of that. Yes. So yes, I definitely feel yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I guess when I want to check in with this about it, do you feel like it, it's not so much in making the decision that's hard. Like, you know what decision you want to make. It's more so now I've made the decision and I'm second guessing it. Yes. It's I've made the decision. I communicated the decision. I get blowback on the decision and I'm like, Ooh, but was that the right choice? Even though I know, I, I know that it's the right choice. I, I have a great relationship with my athletic director and talk to him through all sorts of things, but I have had parents and situations in the past that have come back on me in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And even though I was fully supported by the school and like there were no consequences or anything, it still feels like a personal attack. And I have gotten better at knowing that it's like, it is not personal. They are looking out for their kid, but it still has it's a source of anxiety. Yes. Well, I think there's so, so many people I think feel the same and do. So, uh, do you usually make those decisions? It sounds like you're more logical. Like you're not making decisions based on your gut and your heart. You're making them more on like fact and strategy and that kind of thing. Is that true? Yes. Because yes. I feel like that's usually what I try to fall back on when I am second guessing. It's like, no, this wasn't a spontaneous thing. This wasn't something that I just like went with my gut. Like this was a decision that I have either past evidence for, or like, I really thought this through. I sought advice. Like I know that I did all the right steps to make this happen. Um, and kind of just reminding yourself of like, no, I, I, this was a very clear choice with a lot of like evidence for what I did. So I can rely on like, the evidence that brought me here, not just me, if that makes sense. Definitely. It's, um, the, the, the subjectiveness of dance, because you can't rely on, oh, well, this person was faster than you, or this person caught more balls than Mm -hmm. you, or this person scored more points than you. Like it's, well, it's they, it's because they don't like me and that's not the case, but like, that's, what goes through everyone's head. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times specifically high school age girls, when they hear bad news or something that they don't particularly like, Mm -hmm. they stop listening to all of the wonderful things that I said later (laughs) or all the X, Y, Z will help you know, help you be able to do this in the future or not do this in the future or whatever. And they hear the one bad thing and then they stop listening. Right. And then it's like, okay, but those are, I told you all of those things, mm-hmm. but you didn't hear any yeah. of them. I think it's actually, there's a, there's two things with that where one, as you said at the beginning, when we hear either we get negative feedback from a parent or we get that negative feedback and it's really hard to separate I know like who I am as a person is not wrapped up in this one parent's thought. And that's really hard to do even as adults. And I think our dancers are just doing that too. And they get so caught up in like, oh, my coach gave me one negative feed source of feedback or one element of correction. And now I'm a terrible dancer when that's not what we said at all, but that's what they attach. Right. And it's like helping our dancers with that yes. same separation of like, this is a technical critique or this is a, you know, whatever it is that is not about you as a person. This is you as a dancer. 
and helping that identity separation. But it's interesting that I think we still struggle, but yet, no, of course they can't do it at 15, you know? Right. Um, Their brain's not fully formed. No, it is not. They can't do it. And even with my fully formed brain, I still can't do it sometimes either. Um, Right. So I was just thinking like in the moment of those conversations, when you have to deliver that hard news that they don't want to hear, asking them at the very end, what did you hear me say? And just taking a second Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, like what, what did you hear me say? Because I think you're right. They stop listening. And so if they really can't, they maybe genuinely can't repeat any of the good stuff you said. And all they heard was you cut me from pump or like, it's like, all I heard was I'm not good enough, you know? And it's asking them like, what did you hear me say? Might both make them aware of like, Oh, I didn't hear anything except the one thing you said a while ago (laughs) and help you correct it a little bit. Definitely. Definitely. And for me to, establish that in a conversation with a parent when I'm the, the source or whatever Mm -hmm. that no, no, they said these other things too. Like that that's, yeah, that's definitely something that I think would help both myself and the team. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I think you're right. Cause even when you are having that hard conversation with the parent too, of checking in on yourself of like, okay, what did I actually hear from this? Um, or asking the parent, what did you hear me say when I was talking about your child? Right. Cause I think, you know, as a parent, they also are just going to only hear the bad stuff when you're like, no, I actually had a lot of good things to say about your dancer. This is just the one piece. Right. Yeah. Good. Um, and I also don't think it's necessarily bad to be honest with our dancers about this identity piece and kind of sharing, like, I struggle with this too. Sometimes we're like my I love coaching so much that everything can get wrapped up in this. And when things are hard, I can kind of get down on myself about it, or I can feel bad and feel like I'm not good enough, but I know, I know that's not true. And kind of all the stuff you said at the beginning of like talking yourself out of this identity thing that, you know, just being open with that and honest with them of like, do you ever feel that way? Do you feel like when you get a correction that it means you're a bad dancer? And I think if they know, like, this is still hard for a lot of us. And it's not just that there's something wrong with you. It's that this is a skill we have to work on and being able to separate our identity from this one piece of negative feedback. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I find that um, both when I'm teaching at the studio that I teach at and with my dance team that they require so much more explanation than previous dancers in the past. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but that like, they really like to understand I'm doing X, Y, and Z because of A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And so now more than ever, that honesty sharing, like awareness would help dancers now more so than probably ever before. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of us who've been coaching a long time, we're seeing that shift and it is, I mean, even in like psych research on motivation and all this stuff, when adolescents especially feel like they're included in the process, even if they aren't included in the decision, even if they're like kind of get the behind the scenes, it's not, you know, the Oz behind the curtain. It's like, no, they get to know why you're doing things. They, they buy in so much more in whether it's, you know, adding this new cardio thing that you know, they're just like, why are we doing this? You're like, no, but I made this choice. We're doing this thing because it leads to X, Y, Z that we said we wanted. 
you know, that helps them so much. And I think you're totally right. That transparency makes a big difference for a lot of the dancers. And yeah, and, it, and there's a, there's always a line in transparency, right? There's always, we don't have to share our personal lives and nor many times we probably shouldn't. Uh, but it's the transparency in who we are as coaches and the decisions we're making, which I know is what you said. I just felt like I needed to be clear <laughs> about that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, how do you feel about that piece of it? Like being able to ask your dancers, like, what did you hear me say? Or like, do you think they would respond to that? Does it feel like something you could try? Yeah. I feel like I would probably spin it a little bit with the way that I coach, um, my girls that like in a, okay, now, now say that back to me or like, what did you take away? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. not, Hey, I don't think you heard all the things. Totally. Yes. And I think, (laughs) and not that, not that that's what you said, but like that spin it in a, okay, now what did I tell you? Yeah. Like what, because a lot of times I find myself, um, saying, okay, is everybody clear that I did not say that you're a terrible dancer? Is everybody clear Mm -hmm. that I did not say you don't deserve to be on this, in this spot? Like when we're making formations, Mm -hmm. like I did not tell anyone that you are a bad dancer (laughs) or that you don't belong on this floor. And they're all like, "Ah," and I'm like, okay, you're laughing now, but right. But you're going to be really mad. (laughs) No, I think that's, that's so true. You want it to be genuine to who you are and tone and how you deliver matters. But I think there is a subtle difference that might actually really help them rather than saying it that way of like, did you, you know, are we clear that this is not at all what I said in a way we're kind of reiterating what we didn't want them to say. And I think you're right that they will. And so then they, yeah, they hear it again. And simply we'll just also be like, you said, they're just going to have a closed response to that of like, yeah, we get it. But when you have to ask them how, like what, what was your takeaway, right? This or what did, what was the, Mm -hmm. um, the big thing that you heard me say from this, or what are you going to remember later? And like something that helps them, like they have to verbalize it. Cause I think there is a disconnect where they like, yeah, I heard you, but then actually having to say it is very different. Right. Or right. about even like, right. you know, with dance skills, they're like, okay, do you see how we have to have how my, like my back leg is bent in this? And they're like, uh-huh, I see it. But then doing it is different. And this, this yes. is kind of that same idea. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Good. Okay. Uh, I want to do the kind of second piece that you were talking about when um, we were getting ready. You said that your team wants to be more successful, you know, has those bigger goals, but then struggles to uh, apply corrections and kind of really get into the mode of it when there's no competition pressure. Is that right? Like it feels like they're just like coasting or like talk to me more about what that feels like. Yeah. So um, we... We have two regionals and then we go to nationals and then we come back and we have state Mm. and we have been very successful at the state level and that's our last competition. So we would like to bring the success earlier in the season. We want to be state ready in December or beginning of January so that then our, all of our levels are leveled up at each competition. Mm -hmm. So and we've talked about this. It's been a goal. We've written it down. We put it on a vision board, all of those things. Um, but we've never attacked game routines like a competition piece. And so without that, ooh, competition, it takes them a long time to get there. 
And I don't know if that is just because there's less urgency or if there's a way that we need to simulate, not necessarily pressure, but I will say that we look cleaner this year than we have ever looked before Mm -hmm. at games. And a lot of that is due to my new assistant coach, who is an incredible cleaner. She's amazing. But it still feels like they don't quite understand until they get out there, like, in the performance. And then once they're in the performance, they're like, oh, I want to look good. And I'm like, okay, but if you worked on that a week and a half ago, like, then we wouldn't have this anxiety, like, of putting, you know, like, I don't know what the dance is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So with the goals and the, I love that. That's always the best start, right? That like, we've identified that this matters to us and we have talked about it. Does that translate ever to smaller, like weekly or daily kind of goals? Um, we d- are not doing that currently, okay. but I am not opposed to incorporating that somehow. Yeah. I think it works really well for some and for others. It's like, this is too much, but I think if, they have this big vision and like they were all on board with, we want to be cleaner and ready sooner. So then again, kind of to our transparency of like, you said you want this by December. So let's take, let's back this up. You know, at the time of this recording, it's mid-October. So now we have, you know, maybe we have six weeks or whatever that we want to do. So I broke this down. That means this has to be clean by this date. This has to be clean by this date. We need to practice like the intensity of game. We only have like one football game left or, you know, we need to practice it now in order to reach that bigger goal. And then, but showing them like, I, this is how I broke this down because I think it's really easy to see like, oh, that's two months from now. Uh, like, and we all do that, right? Like, oh, I have so much time. And then all of a sudden it's in your face. <laughs> like what just happened? Um, yes. So yes, bringing this like, whether it's the cleaning schedule or like how many times you're going full out or, you know, the performance quality, bringing all of those aspects into a kind of goal specific, like laid out the weeks leading up to December so that they clearly see it. I'm like, okay, so by, you know, November 4th, we should have had X amount of full outs. This should be clean already, or we should have, you know, been practicing at that intensity. Uh, Just being more, um, specific and breaking down how, how the timing would work to get to there. And especially in your case where you said like, you're usually like super successful at state. So like, we know how to do this. We just usually do it months from now. So we're going to take the same template and we're going to do it in November and helping them kind of see like, okay, yeah, we know that works. So let's do it now. Definitely. Definitely. I like, I have felt like our last three weeks of the season are usually our strongest practices where we get the most done last year at nationals. There was a horrendous snowstorm, Mm. um, through the Midwest and our flight got pushed like 36 hours earlier, but we were one of the lucky ones who got out of St. Louis. Um, and a lot of people had to drive or, drive other places to be able to fly. And like, it was crazy, but we had 36 extra hours in Orlando Mm -hmm. and we were able to do five parking lot practices (laughs) and we like drilled our formations and like it didn't necessarily pay off right away at 
nationals, but it massively paid off at state. Yeah. Because, you know, you get to nationals and you're like, oh, yes, okay, I'm going to do this. And yes, it's parking lot practice. And yes, it's like, like, you know, like it's all of that, that excitement and intensity. Mm -hmm. How do I simulate that in November? Sure. (laughs) When it's cold outside. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And there is definitely some magic to, like you said, parking lot practice. That if anybody who is listening is like in the dance team world and you know what this feels like where you're at, parking lot practice is special. Like it's just this own unique thing. But I think um, if you have a decent amount of returners or a decent amount of people who have felt that before, um, even just having them talk about it a little bit of like, why do you love parking lot practice? Like, why was that so much fun? Or why did that help us so much? And just having them even go back and remember what that felt like uh, and kind of simulating that. And then as far as you're right, it's simulation. So it is learning how to like hype yourself up for something that's not real right now, right? Like learning how to be intense and excited about it in a way that you're really, you're not yet. Um, I would even maybe put it on them and kind of ask them like, have the, I guess I should ask first, do you have some returners who've been there, done that, that could talk about this? Yes. Out of my team, I am, I only have two new dancers to my varsity team, which is massively different than the year before where I only had five returners Uh and like 12 new. (laughs) Right. Excuse me. Um, I had 12 new last year. And so like, we're like on the flip side. Uh Okay. Most of my team has been there. Okay. So I would encourage them to like share, uh, what that feels like. And from even like a mindset place of like, can you describe it? Like what, why is it different? What your what are your emotions? What are your what does your body feel like? Like trying to really get them into it. I think of performance in like your thoughts and your emotions and your body. And like what is all of that like? And it might be hard for them to identify at first, but if they're they've been there, they can think through like, okay, what are my thoughts that in parking lot practice? I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. I'm so excited. It's ready. Like the what's happening in your body. I'm like, I actually am a little jittery. Like I get the little buzz happening. What are my emotions? Like I'm super excited. I'm happy. So it's how do we make that happen now? And how do we change your thoughts, your emotions, and your the sensations in your body to mimic that? So sharing about it can help the newbies. Um, even just visualizing what that feels like and remembering it. And then I think with emotions and with thoughts, we can kind of take some control of that and decide like, okay, this run through, we are going to mimic, uh, and pretend like we are in Orlando and we're going to, you know, visualize it like the sun is out and, you know, we're super excited. It's, you know, we're taking nationals floor and tomorrow morning, like just kind of setting that up. And then physically, sometimes they need a boost where you have to actually get your heart rate up a little bit before you start, which sometimes they don't always like, but even just doing, you know, high knees for 30 seconds, just something to like artificially boost your heart rate. Um, or having people in the room to create that. Yeah. Create the adrenaline. Like, so your body doesn't, your brain doesn't know the difference between like nervous adrenaline and like your heart, you're just, you know, cardio heart is pumping just because of cardio. So it's like you, you're telling yourself your story of this is just cardio or this is, we're going to take the nationals floor. So if we can just kind of raise your heart rate and artificially produce that, you can try to simulate it. Um, so I would 
put it on them to be like, okay, what do we want to do to help mimic this? And how can we set this up? And, uh, you know, do we need to talk about it? Do we visualize it? Do we, uh, you know, set up recording, uh, like video recording? Do we bring people in to watch us? Do we like, what do we want to do to help mimic this? And if they're again, in on it a little bit, I don't know, like what's going to help you guys feel that adrenaline? Like, what do we need to do uh, and have them share and get some ideas? Um, and then even just the conversation of like, we need to mimic this now. We can't wait for this to happen there. Um, making them aware that like, this is a, this is a goal for this week. We're going to mimic this feeling in November. Yeah. 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 And I think that, I think that right now I like, yeah, they were in on all the goal making and all of that stuff. Um, but because we've been working on camp routines, mm-hmm. because we've been working on our homecoming dance mm-hmm. in the fall, this fall, the way the schedule fell, we had to learn a lot of things a lot later than usual mm-hmm. for fall. And so it's been a lot of just like taken of information. Yeah. And so, and I feel like we're kind of throwing it at them. Mm-hmm. You said you wanted to do this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you said you wanted to talk more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you wanted to do this. You like, you said all of these things, but like, we are not doing that right now. And so how do we make that happen before competition? But I like, we've been kind of putting it at them as opposed to like making it community, like, okay, how do we, how, what will help you really feel this? Yeah. What will help you really understand the difference between what we are currently doing and what you know you want to do, but is not happening. Right. right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a subtle difference, but it makes it, it can click very differently for them of like, it's different from, like you said, these were our goals and now like, let's do it. It's more like, okay, these are your goals. Here's my calendar backing it up to realize if we want this, this by this week, we need to have this done. So, you know, how are we going to do that? And I think with goals, there's a big piece to that of the how, and then also asking them um, kind of obstacles of like, okay, if this is our calendar and this has to happen in the next two weeks, what's going to get in our way? What's going to make this not happen? What, how, what would, you know, make this really hard? And maybe then they can then identify. It's like, okay, well, if we aren't really going full intensity, we won't get there. Or if we don't treat games as purposeful as competition, we'll miss out. And like helping them see the obstacles. I'm like, okay, so those, this is what we want. This is how we're going to get there. These are the obstacles that could happen. So what's our plan? Like, what are we going to do instead? Um, and having them kind of generate those ideas, um, and maybe take some ownership of that. And then the last piece I would say is add that little bit of reflection of if you have a practice, we are like, we're going full intensity. We're going to, you know, visualize, or we're going to set this up as if it's a nationals practice. And then you have that practice. And at the end, she's like, okay, how did that feel? You know, what nationals actually feels like, how was this? And on one hand, it's never going to be exactly the same. We know that we just want to get as close as possible, but have them then reflect like, no, that actually felt really good. I'm like, okay, good. Let's do that again. Like we know you can produce this feeling, this energy, or if it still fell short, like, okay, it wasn't enough. So what do we need to do better tomorrow? Like, how are we going to keep stepping it up and having an element of like reflection? How did this feel? Was it enough? Where do we want to go next time? Nice. Yeah. I think that that would be, I think that would be huge because I, in my opinion, the ultimate goal of 
being more prepared earlier is that then the pressure that we are trying to simulate is less at that point because we know, okay, I know exactly what is going to happen when I step on that floor as opposed to, well, hope it goes well, right? you know, like, and not that that's ever what we really feel like, but the pressure, the anxiety pressure should be less like, of course, they're going to be nervous Mm -hmm. at nationals. Of course, they're going to have that kind of feeling, but the knowing that they were prepared for this so much earlier, that's the ultimate goal for me in being ready earlier is that we are ready for this and we have done everything that we can to put us in the best situation at this competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of confidence comes from knowing you're prepared, whether that's like knowing you're physically prepared. Like I know my, you know, cardio capacity is up. I know I can do this routine full out and have full energy the entire time. I know it's clean. I know I can do these skills. And also just the mental prep of like, I know what to expect at every step of the way, or I know, you know, what's going to happen. I think that makes a huge difference. And so even if you're talking to them about it in that sense of like, this is going to help physically and mentally prepare you for what this feels like so that you can be more confident when we take the stage and not just in nationals, but earlier. Definitely. Definitely. I think that'll be huge for them. Okay. Other questions or anything else you wanted to chat about? Does that feel like it answered? I feel like that covered all the things um, that we talked about. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about the things that are happening with my team. Um, yes. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but I feel like those are, those are my two big, and I don't want to say issues, yeah. but like big things to tackle right now is that knowing that I'm doing the right thing for the team and like being able to let my brain know that too. Mm-hmm. And like, I also feel like as I get older, the more years that I coach and and not that I feel like softer or anything, but like when I was young and a new coach, I was like, you're out, cut. Right. Yep. (laughs) You know, like, and, and now like I, I have been around it so much more. I've been around so many girls and like, I get it. And so it's not soft. It's just more like more aware of the way it affects everything else. Um, and so knowing that it's still for the best, like in the best interest of the team, Mm -hmm. which is always the goal. And that's the, you know, the legacy piece that I hope that they understand. And then just really trying to be not necessarily more successful earlier, but like setting us up so that we can be more successful earlier in a purposeful way as opposed to a, well, we don't know what's going to happen at our first competition. Oh, and I think that's huge. And it's something we get better at again with experience of we can't change everything this season or we can't tackle 50 things, but being able to say like, okay, my personal success this season is going to be in having them be feeling more confident and better prepared earlier. Like that's, and if that becomes your goal and your focus, you shift everything about how you handle practices, you shift how you define success at those earlier practices and earlier comps. And it helps on both sides, right? Like I'm making the choices for the whole team and the program and the legacy with this focus um, that they identified earlier. Right. And uh, I think you're, you're very right. And that uh, the legacy piece and being able to 
see it differently the more years we're around this and being able to see um, how much it impacts them and what it what what they hold on to. So yeah, like their big lesson from this whole season can be that sense of like I can do things that are scary. I just have to prepare myself as best I can. And like, what an amazing life lesson for them to get out of this. So for sure. That's like a huge part of why I love dance. And that's why I love teaching is like, because it's not just about dance. It's not just about kicks and leaps and turns, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about what dance has taught me as a human and sharing that with my team, my studio girls, all of the above. Absolutely. Same. That's why we do what we do. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Erin. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And stay in touch and tell me how it all goes. Yeah, definitely. Until next time. Thank you. I hope that was helpful for you to listen in. I think Coach Erin has some great ideas about what to do next. And that, you know, I think so many of us are dealing with that same kind of issues on both sides of like, how do we build up the intensity and the expectations, you know, earlier in the season and not wait for those amazing practices like two days before you compete. I don't know. My team always did that too. So, uh, I hope those ideas maybe spark something in you as well, and you can use them for your dancers. And again, if you would like to be on the show and talk to me about whatever it is I can help with on your team, I would love for you to join me. So you can go to chelseaparati.com slash be on the show. Just write it all out as one word, or you can send me a DM on Instagram, however you want to get in touch. I'd love to have you join me. So thank you for listening today and keep sharing your passion for dance with the world. Mm-hmm.